Please be seated. Man, Keith, I was ready to go at the ending of the third verse of that song. I nearly ran up here. That's been done before. It's been done before. Yes, it has. Every Sunday, as a matter of fact. Miss Dean, sure do. Along with Keith, may I say welcome uh, to everyone here this morning, and especially those among us who are our guests. We certainly appreciate uh, you being with us today, and uh, we would extend to you uh, the invitation to come back and be with us uh, every opportunity you have, especially if you live here in Paris and you're looking for a church home. This is the place you need to be. So come back and give us an opportunity to get to know you a little bit, and uh, we would like the opportunity to uh, convince you that this is a good place to make your church home. A couple of announcements that, that I'd like to uh, emphasize. First of all, this morning before uh, Bible class began, uh, began, Coach Mike Long stopped by and uh, delivered, I think, 10 to 12 new uh, little cards with pictures of area high school students uh, that we can pray for. And so it may be that you have signed up to be a part of that community ministry uh, of praying for a particular student and have not received uh, a little picture yet. Uh, please check with Tanya. Those pictures uh, or those little cards are in the office. Or if you haven't signed up, there will be a few uh, left over that, that we certainly need to ask someone to uh, sign up to pray for. Uh, appreciate uh, Coach Long coming by today. And uh, he asked me to uh, kind of inform everyone that he had dropped those uh, new pictures off and to express, again, his appreciation uh, for this church being a part of that uh, community ministry. And if you have any questions, uh, you, can, you can talk to me, you can call and talk to, uh, to Tanya or Kim, and we'd be happy to, to help you out with that. Also, continue to think about our goal of collecting 1,000 little packets, hygiene for Haiti, and I noticed when I walked in this morning, the little thermometer was up over 350. And that means by, uh, by tomorrow, if we stay on pace, we need to be up around 500. And I know some more have come in uh, this morning, so let's keep working on that. And was really encouraged uh, to see the little announcement, I think it was on our Facebook page, about some of our children's classes uh, have been participating in that and I think gave up some McDonald's money or something like that to contribute to this and so uh, that's pretty cool. So that means I got to give up Starbucks a couple of times this week and donate that to, to fill up a couple of additional packets. But I, I'm going to do that. Anybody with me? Anybody with me this week? All right, okay. We, there's about 50 more right there, so that's good to hear. And again, appreciate everyone uh, participating uh, in that. So th this is really the first time Lori and I have ever kind of lived out in the, in the country, so to speak. And so as I've, I've mentioned, I'm learning about septic tanks and electric co-ops and well water and 
critters in your garage and, you know, all sorts of things. And yesterday, I attended my first, I believe it was in about 2002, 2003, Lombardi's son, Vince Lombardi Jr., wrote a little book on leadership, and he, he compiled 26 leadership rules, if you will, that he had learned from his father. And rule number 25 was this. Focus on the fundamentals. Focus on the fundamentals. For the past several Sundays, we have been looking at uh, prong one, if you, uh, if you will, of our uh, vision statement, Connect with God. And it's been a few weeks since I have read uh, what uh, that aspect or component of our vision statement is, but it reads like this. We will continually seek a deeper connection with God through sincere worship and spiritual disciplines. We will reach out and make disciples that do the same. And so for the past several Sundays, we have been particularly emphasizing what it means to make disciples. And in lesson one in this current series, we said making disciples must be our number one priority. But at the conclusion of that lesson, we also said in order to make disciples, we must be disciples. And so we have been focusing upon what it means to be a disciple. And after this morning, we only have two lessons left. And then we're never talking about what it means to be a disciple again. No, that's, that's a joke. We'll, we'll continue to talk about that, but we'll move on uh, to something else. But this morning, kind of building upon that idea of simply focusing on fundamentals, all right? I want us to look at three scriptures uh, that are almost kind of independent, if you will. I mean, context is important, and we'll, we'll deal with that uh, just a little bit. But three texts, this time from the Gospel of John. We've been primarily in, in Luke's Gospel. But we're going to move over to John's uh, Gospel, and there are three texts which I think are very fundamental principles about what it means to be a disciple. So if you have your New Testament, be opening up uh, to the Gospel of John. And we're going to begin in uh, chapter 8 with fundamental uh, number one. Whoops, my thumb got heavy there. And fundamental number one is linger in the Word. Linger in the Word. Let's begin reading. John chapter 8 and verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Hold to my teaching is literally abide in my word. The word abide, or, or the word that the NIV, NIV translates as hold to, is a very important word for the Apostle John. This word 
occurs nearly 120 times in the New Testament, and John uses this word over half of those occurrences. We find it throughout his gospel. We find it in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and even in the book of Revelation. And it's a very, it's a very interesting word that, that John uh, chooses to use, uh, that Jesus uses to describe the importance of remaining in him and remaining a part of the family of God and remaining in his word. And so the word has that idea of staying in a given place, state, relationship, or expectancy. And I think that is important. Jesus expects his disciples to remain or to stay, to abide, to continue, to dwell, to endure, whatever word you want to choose, in his word. And John must have had this saying from Jesus in his mind when he wrote 2 John. Listen to what he says in verse 9. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. And so John understands the measure of any disciple is the ability to hold on to, to remain, to abide in their teachings word. And I think it's, it's very significant here as this dialogue continues in John chapter 8. As Jesus is discussing, really, a sense of identity among his, his fellow Jewish people. That his word is equivalent uh, to God's word. And it's in the truth of his word that we can be set free. That we can find our own identity. So fundamental number one, discipleship 101. Linger in the word of Christ. Number two, love one another. Turn over to John chapter 13. John's gospel is unique in that he records for us uh, an extensive uh, teaching section that Jesus had with his closest disciples uh, between the time they spent together in the upper room and Jesus being betrayed and ultimately crucified uh, at the end of, uh, end of his life. And a part of that dialogue has to do with loving one another. Look at verse 34. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, how is this command, how is this fundamental aspect of discipleship to love one another new? I mean, God has always expected us uh, and expected his people to love one another. Well, I think it's new in the sense as it is defined by Jesus. And, and what kind of love is that? Well, it's as I have loved you, right? 
And we're going to come back to this point uh, at the conclusion of our uh, lesson. But in the sense that it is an unparalleled type of love. It is uncommon. It is extraordinary. It is unheard of for a, a person to willingly die on behalf of not just one person, but every person who's ever lived. All right? And in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of our selfishness, in spite of our rebellion, Jesus chose to give of his life. And he goes on to say that, that this love that we are to have for one another is, is to be a personality trait that we have, if you will. And even to the extent that it becomes an identity marker for us, that, that we, we are known for our love for each other, and even then implies it becomes a very powerful evangelistic tool. Right. Have you ever thought about it this way? Maybe one reason we don't convert more people to Jesus is because they don't see us really loving each other. Right. Something for us to think about. And again, we'll come back uh, to this point uh, as well. So fundamental one, linger in the word. Fundamental two, love one another. And then fundamental three, live productively. All right? I don't even have to turn a page in my Bible, but look at John chapter 15, verse 8. Here, again, this long discourse continues. All right? Jesus says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves or proving yourselves to be my disciple. The word bear there means to carry forth or to bring forth. And in agricultural context, uh, like this metaphor that Jesus is using here of being on uh, the vine, the word would mean to produce, to cultivate, to harvest, or, or to reap. Right? And so again, we are to live our lives as disciples of Jesus in such a way that we are producing some things. We're cultivating some things. Now, I didn't, I didn't give you blanks to fill in here, but uh, Greg, this portion of our lesson brought to us by the letter C. Here are three things, three things that we can cultivate or produce in our lives. Again, I, th I think in expectation that Jesus has for us as his disciples. Number one is character. Character. Living our lives in such a way that we produce or are cultivating character. Well, what kind of character? Well, we can look at Jesus. We can turn over to a passage like Galatians 5 where Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit and mentions things like love and joy and peace and patience. All right? So thinking about our character, our, our, our personality, you know, who, who we re really are from the inside out, which brings us to the second C, conduct. All right? If um, cultivating character has to do with our being, 
then conduct has to do with how we behave, right? And our behavior typically flows right out of our being. And so how do we respond in certain circumstances? What, what are we cultivating? What are we producing? All right? Do our lives really look like our teacher, our master, like Jesus? Right? And then the third C that we are to produce as disciples would be conversions. All right? Character, conduct, and conversions. You know, if you go back... I think to the second lesson in this series, one of the points we made about uh, disciples. Disciples were expected to reproduce themselves. It, it became their life's mission. Right? Not only to learn from their teacher, but to perpetuate what their teacher taught and to attract more disciples to their master or to their uh, teacher. So the three fundamentals of discipleship. Linger in the word, love one another, and live productively. All right? Now, let me suggest four things this morning by way of, of application that are related to those three fundamentals. All right? Number one, develop a daily Bible reading plan, okay? Develop a daily Bible reading plan. Some of you who were here back in the day, and I define back in the day as 1985 to 1992, okay, when I was here previously, all right? So back in the day, some of you might remember Rex Bowles. Anybody? Former director of the Adventures and Missions Program, AIM. And, and Rex would, would bring that, that group in, usually during spring break, and they would spend a few days with us working and knocking doors and doing some things with us. We always beat them in basketball. Never let Rex forget that. But, but Rex was, was a mentor of mine very, very early uh, in my development as a minister. As a, I got to know Rex as a student at the Sunset School of Preaching. And when it came to, to developing a Bible reading plan... Here's what he said. Pick a time, pick a place, pick a book, pick a pace. All right, got it? Pick a time, pick a place, pick a book, pick a pace. Right. And, and so from, from the time I learned that, I have, I have tried to use Rex's little plan. All right. here's, here's how I use it today. Okay, so when I moved to Paris, all right, uh, I try to arrive here at the office as, as early uh, as I can, all right. When Lori is not with me, I'm able to get here a lot earlier for some reason. When she's with me, I, you know, I drag a little bit, okay. Uh, so, pick a time. My time is, is first thing in the morning. Pick a place. My place is my office, Okay, so if I arrive at 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock, whatever time it is, that's the first thing I do when I sit down. That's, that's my time and that's my place. And the idea is, is to kind of train, train your mind. And, and so when, when I step into the office for the first time, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, daily Bible reading, daily Bible reading. All right? The final two components of that little plan, pick a book, 
pick a pace. All right? So when I, when I moved here, I decided, all right, here's, here's going to be the book I chose. Choose. I, I, I chose my little New Revised Standard Version New Testament that also comes with the book of Psalms. All right? So that's the book I chose. All right? This little New Testament with Psalms. Now, it might be your, your plan is to read the entire Bible. All right? Your, your plan might be to take one particular book. And, and I've done this in the past. In, in the past, sometimes I've determined just to read through the whole Bible in, a, in you know, one, not one setting, but uh, before I move to something else. All right? There, there are other times in the past when I'm, I've, I'm, I remember four or five years ago, I thought, I'm going to read through the Gospels every month. Okay, so that was my, my book. Or if I am anticipating a sermon series at some point in the future, uh, I preached through Revelation recently up in Oklahoma City. And so before uh, I began to prepare for that sermon series, I read the book of Revelation every month for four, five, six months. All right? So this is, this is my book. Now my pace. My pace. I decided to read three psalms. And after I read those three psalms, go back in, to the New Testament and read two chapters from the New Testament. Right? Started that uh, Monday morning, July 2nd. So at that pace, I'm almost through the, the book of Psalms. There are 150 psalms. And I'm, all, I'm almost through the Gospel of Mark. Now once I complete uh, the book of uh, Psalms, then those three chapters will be devoted to the New, chap uh, New Testament, so I'll be reading five chapters a day, and I'll be through with the New Testament within probably three weeks. All right? Then I'm going to start over. All right? I've, I've got my time, I've, I've got my place, and I've got my pace. That, that lasts about 15 minutes. Then I close with prayer, and I'm good to go. You know? Then Jared's knocking at the door, and we're drinking coffee and solving all the church's problems. All right. I feel better prepared to do that. Okay? So when I finish this, my next book is this, is, this is a brand new translation of the Old Testament by one of my favorite Old Testament scholars, a gentleman by the name of John Golden Gay. All right? And so this is going to be my book. And I'll read, again, it usually takes me about 15 minutes to uh, read about five chapters, and so I'll begin to work through that. All right. So I, I would encourage you, I, I, I mean, some of you already have a plan. All right? That's great. That's great. And share that. Okay, Share that with somebody. Share your plan with somebody. If you don't have a plan, this one has worked for me. And I, I give all the credit to Rex. You know, Pick a time, pick a place, pick a book, pick a pace. I have to think or my tongue gets tangled or my Tangled gets tongued or something like that. All right? So develop a Bible reading plan. Number two, okay, we are to love each other as Christ has loved us. All right? Now let's, let's kind of zoom in and really focus on a Christ-like love. You know, love is, is one of those words that, that we just kind of kind of throw around quite a bit, right? 
you know, we, we love our wife or our spouse. We love our children. We love our family. But then we also love ice cream. And we love our favorite sports team. And we love a beautiful day. It, you know, we love all sorts of things, but I had better love Lori a little differently than I love ice cream, right? Yeah, okay. So what, let's, let's try to define what this Christ-like love is that we are to exhibit to one another. And, and really, I, I think it would apply to, to all that we know that God might bring into our lives. Let's, let's, let's try to, to better develop what that is that means. I defer to uh, New Testament uh, scholar Scott McKnight. Scott suggests four things and would even argue that there is a progression to this, okay? You see, you see these four components in the way God loved Israel, how God loves uh, his people, how Jesus certainly uh, loves us and loves his church. It begins with what Scott calls a rugged commitment. Not, not just a commitment, but a rugged commitment. All right? What, what does that mean? Well, a decision is involved. We choose to love someone. We, we make a conscious decision to commit ourselves to each other. In, in, in spite of all the things that maybe we don't like about each other. Right? We're, we're family, we're a community, we serve the same Lord and Master. Okay, We are going to be committed to each other through thick and thin. A rugged commitment. The second component that Scott suggests is presence. Okay, Presence. We have to be with each other, with each other. And, and Scott would argue that, that that preposition is very important, okay? So any opportunity that we have to be with each other, let's take advantage of that. All right, I, I, I think I've, I said in a Wednesday night summer series class three or four years ago at this, at this place that, you know, we need, we need to broaden... We need to broaden our kind of traditional application uh, of Hebrews 10.25, where the writer says, don't forsake the assembly. That's tended to be our proof text to not miss church on Sunday. And I'm all for that, by the way. And that's certainly one application. But I think the writer really means don't, don't neglect or abandon any time you have a chance to be together or to be with one another. We can do that corporately in our Sunday morning assembly. We can do that in smaller groups, whether it's a Bible class, uh, a group that meets during the week, our life groups that meet on, on Sunday night. Anytime we have an opportunity to be present with each other, it's an expression of our love. All right? Component number three, advocacy. All right? And here the important uh, preposition is for. We are for each other. All right? it's, it's, that old, it's that old thing of, you know, I can talk about how bad my bird dog is, but you better not. Okay? 
So, so we're going to be honest with each other and we're going to deal with each other, the rugged commitment thing, and we're going to spend time with each other, but we are for each other. And if, if anyone on the outside of family wants to be critical, we're going to defend each other. We're going to speak up for each other. And, and this community and beyond will know that we love each other and we're for each other. All right? But then the fourth component is very, very important. Scott talks about direction. Okay? And here the important preposition is unto. We love each other, we're ruggedly committed to each other as we seek to move each other unto what God wants us to be. Right. We, there, there are any number of examples of that, of, of God in relationship to Israel, Jesus in relationship to the people he encountered in his public ministry. I, I guess exhibit A would be uh, the woman who'd been caught in adultery in John chapter 8. Right. Without condemning her, what did Jesus say? Go and sin no more. That's direction. Right? And so we, we really love each other with a Christ-like love when all four of these components are present. Right? Rugged commitment, presence, advocacy, and direction as we encourage each other to become more like God would have us to be. Right? But there's a second question to ask on fundamental number two, and that is, what are we known for? What, 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 are, we, what are we known for? for? First of all, as churches of Christ, what, what are we kind of known for? And I, I mean, I think we know. There might be three or four things. Let, let's let's kind of let's zoom in to just Lamar Avenue. What are we known for in this community? All right. Well, John 13, 34 and 35 says that we should be known by our love for one another. Right. So that, that kind of takes it to a different level. That's not to say the other things, the other identity markers we have aren't important. Please don't misunderstand me. But this should be one too. Jesus says so. And, and how committed we are to each other. And, and why wouldn't someone out in this lonely world in which we live, full of despair and discouragement, sees a group of people, a body of people, a community of people, committed to each other, loving each other, in spite of whatever, okay, as we seek to move each other to become more Christ-like, why wouldn't they want to be a part of this? Again, very a powerful uh, evangelistic tool is, is how we treat one another. And believe me, the community knows it. The community knows. Even in a community as large as Oklahoma City, if churches aren't getting along, if members within churches aren't getting along, people know it. People know it. And so let, let, let me just challenge us to really be known, uh, along with all the other things, uh, for our love, for one another. Right. And then finally, number four. I, I don't know if, is there an English teacher here this morning? If there is, I apologize for this sentence. Be intentionally cultivating. Right. Here's what I mean by that. 
okay? To be intentional is to be calculated, premeditated, willful, planned. If we do something intentional, we are doing it on purpose, okay? We're doing it on purpose. We've determined to do this, all right? And so we determine, it becomes our purpose to develop or to cultivate character traits, conduct, conversions, the things that we have talked about previously. All right. For me, guess where the best place that is for me to cultivate some things? Anybody want to guess? Not Starbucks, not fishing. I can have fun fishing and not catch a fish. For me, it's Walmart. We, you know, living in a larger uh, community, you know, I, I had kind of been able to, to wean away from Walmart, all right? B being here in Paris, I'm, I'm beginning to appreciate Walmart again, okay? All right? But I, I've learned, I, I've, got to, I've, I've got to determine that when I walk into Walmart, okay, I'm going to cultivate and work on kindness, patience, patience, in, in a couple of ways, patience with people, just forget about being in a hurry, okay? And, and I really feel for some of the employees over there because, you know, there are how many checkout places and only two people working them, you know, and, and they, have to, they have to hear all the complaints. And I, I have some wonderful Walmart stories just since I've been here. Great stuff. Office has to hear those stories, you know, when I experience them. But I, I do. It's a great place, okay? If, if you want to work on kindness or patience, go to Walmart, all right? And, and, and you, you pull into the parking place, and, and, and you just say, okay, I'm, I'm going to intentionally be kind to someone in this store. All right? it, it might be a, another customer. It, it might be an employee. But I'm, I'm promising you, you can find someone to be kind to. Because somebody, if not most in Walmart, are not having a good day. Okay? I mean, I, that's just the fact. Nothing against Walmart. That's just the way it is. All right? Or patience or long-suffering or what love, whatever it is, okay? Be intentional. All right? And again, whether it's a character trait, whether it's conduct, how we behave, or, or being very intentional in sharing our faith and, and see how, how God takes that, what we cultivate. You know, he, Paul says he'll be the one that gives the increase. Fundamentals. I, I, I suppose to use Lombardi's metaphor, church, this is a Bible. Right, this is a Bible. And, and let's spend time in it. Right, let's, let's learn from it. Let's learn how to love each other from it. And, and, and let's live as productive a, a, a lives as we can possibly live, as we continue to follow Jesus.
I, I really think it'd be pretty cool if all of us just show up at Walmart tomorrow at 5.30, you know, and, and just attack Walmart with kindness, okay? Just, I mean, overflow the place with kindness. Right. More seriously, right. what are you going to intentionally seek to cultivate, to produce, to work on in your life this week as we follow Jesus and as we become a disciple. Let's stand and sing.